Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast's actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path. Episode 82? Yeah. You always sound so confused. Wait, it's never hard positive. to keep track anymore. We should so really episodes. not have counted them. Then you wouldn't have to say which episode. <laughs> I really should have stopped. Well, it's now a compulsive thing where I've said it once, and then I said it 50 times after that, and now it's just kind of how I open things. Maybe when we hit so, 100, you don't have to say it anymore. After 100... I'll just start from one again and just confuse people. <laughs> Please don't. It'll be season two, episode one. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Episode oh, 82, the one where Sudi heard things on the roof. Yep. Santa Claus. Santa Claus. Sandy. Sandy. Claus. Sandy. Definitely Sandy Claus. <laughs> that's Sandy Claus. Yes. Get in a box. I, we'll see. So when last we left our heroes, our intrepid band of, I guess, undead slayers most of the time is kind of your shtick. Although, that being said, you've only fought a single creature in the last 10 episodes. It's and been it was weird that we side. haven't fought anything in quite Hollis some time. has fought nothing. Yeah. That being said. She's no slayer. Um, well, I guess let's let's go ahead and do a recap real quick. When last we left the party, Citron on Eurus had returned down into the depths of the Spiral Archive, wherein they had found the uh, statuesque forms of their two statute companions. And, <laughs> statuesque. And we rolled double 11s. Double yeah, 11. we managed not to die. We yeah. saved the invisible stalkers. Double slightly above mediocrity. Yep. We learned about Nimbus. Yes. yes the that was doggy. the most important part of the last episode. Nimbus the cloud puppy. Yes, if we're condensing this down, that is clearly the most important thing to highlight. <laughs> yes. You had finished your research learning that any relevant documents to what you have been uh, searching for thus far, which just to recap for anyone who may have lost the thread at some point recently, is the tomb of Chisisek, the architect of Hakatep's pyramid, Hakatep's flying pyramid, as you learned recently. Yep. So we're not sure how helpful that's going to be necessarily. Yeah. You're hoping that by finding his tomb, you can find information pertaining towards the pyramid's location. Uh, I don't think Onuris ever related this to Sudi and Hollis, but I think you made a uh, intelligence roll and knowledge check during the uh, episode 80 where it was just Heather and Rachel that pyramids tend to be located in places of significance or spiritual significance. So Hakatev's pyramid should be floating over something significant. Yeah, it would probably flying in a significant location. So it's probably not just somewhere randomly in the world. It's going to be of some place of spiritual or significance or it's something like that. high in the sky over Sothis. Yeah. And then, well, that would great. Yes, it's in the upper atmosphere over Sothis. Jeez. <laughs> if you let it fall, it destroys the city. I mean, if, if there's nothing but undead in it, it could be out in space. Hmm. I guess that's true. They don't need yeah. air. Then we promised Callback to help him with his research, what he wanted to research on the last day we have access to the Spiral Archive. Because he, too, is looking for a burial site, just yeah. a different one. Yeah, so Callback had assisted you, had finished assisting you in your research there. You had all gone off. Returned back to the, I keep wanting to say Tooth and Hookah because I got so used to saying that for so long. The <laughs> end of the desert wins. On your student stab, Falto. Wait, isn't Kabek like your great, 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 like nephew? Probably, Cousin, yeah. Something or another. He's yeah. related to Jajerdit the Fifth, although none of you ever made much of a knowledge check pertaining towards Jajerdit the Fifth. I mean, so, there's a good chance he's descended from on yours in some way, shape, form, or fashion. Oh, that's, that's why you trust weird. him. Now it's kind of weird because technically descended from the original on yours, but then you are technically descended as well. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So. Uh, you're your it's own It's a Futurama. Yeah, it's a Futurama situation. Just not yeah. as weird as <laughs> that <laughs> Futurama <laughs> episode. There was no time travel. Grandfather. Where are the gremlins from Doctor Who who are like, you're messing with time, boy? <laughs> they don't talk, but whatever. Yeah. The, the Pathfinder Galarian equivalent to that are just the Hounds of Tindalus. Oh, yes, the Hounds of Tindalus will come soon. <laughs> you're messing with times, bro. And then they look at you and you explode. Uh, they come out of every corner. <laughs> Coming out of the walls. 
but quite the corners literally the it's like a bug hunt nah. uh, so yeah you had returned back to the in room the party had bedded down prepared to rest Sudi had first watch had settled in started to do his meditations and then had heard a, a soft thunk thunk from the roof overhead like footsteps on the floor above although he of course realizes he's on the top floor and I think I'd ask that there w- if there was a, uh, I don't know, rooftop terrace or something that yeah. could explain it. And you said there wasn't. So that makes it even creepier. Nope. Nope. They don't have a nice rooftop terrace. Or... <sighs> it's just somebody growing pash in a rooftop garden. I mean, <laughs> at this point, like, that'd be fine. Like, I'd just be like, keep it down. We're trying to sleep up here. <laughs> but I have a feeling it's something more nefarious, like assassins. I'll take one bag of pash. It's definitely going to be assassins. Santa with our presents. Santa Claus. Yep. Have you been a good wizard this year? I have. <laughs> okay, here's your snowball spell. Yeah. <laughs> Just what I asked for. It'll be super useful here in the desert. Oh, you've been particularly naughty. I see you've slid down from the good. Does, does Santa only bring You're presents You're on my neutral good. list. <laughs> here's a neutrally good present. Yeah, does Santa only bring presents to good aligned people in yes. Pathfinder land? That's why children yeah. work really hard to keep their Evil good alignment. Get, yeah. <laughs> Evil people get coal, good people get presents, and neutral people get fruitcake. <laughs> <laughs> something neutral, yeah. Yeah, something neutral, fruitcake. There you go. It can be good, but, but it's usually rarely. not. <laughs> anyway. And just to mention, because I, I know that there is a, uh, a slim percentage of our, uh, our listener base that do not listen to the after parties, and if you don't, that's your choice. But they're good. Wow, Rick. That's on you, bro. Uh, that being said, though, as we mentioned in the after party, and we won't go back over all of that here, however, the party did garner enough experience to level up. Hello, so baby. you may notice that in the show notes that uh, everyone's got a nice little number eight next to them, except Ooh. for Sudi, who, who has like a five dash three. I, I mean, yeah. Okay. All right. You said, you're, I was like, did I not level up? I already leveled you're, up. You're no, leveled right now. Yep. You, you have to have been 50 experience points behind everyone else because something. Because reasons. The eye. <laughs> oh, oh, really? I was, I was ah. just going to say, I probably dinged you 10 experience points for each bad pun, and there have been at least five. Oh, there have been way more than five. <laughs> let's be real. Sudi's still language. level one. Yeah, no, I would have never <laughs> yeah. leveled up. Jordan's level language. For every pun. He probably gets a bonus of 10 to balance out every time you make a joke about his eye. Jordan, oh. I made the eye joke. Jordan's love language <laughs> is puns and being rad. So that's weirdly, true. I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah, punishment. Uh, punishment. Ah, oh, that's hey. even better. You have to have a high five. Yeah, ETI five. <laughs> oh my god. I love that that wasn't even intentional. Y'all both just kind of came to the realization that that was a pun. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's Those are the best puns. Our samesies. So as um, we begin, on yours is asleep. Well, everyone except for Sudi's asleep. Sugar yep. is asleep too. We'll just say people are asleep. Sudi, you um. You sit here cross-legged on your mat in the center of the room, hearing that that soft padding sound overhead. The chamber around you is dark. I imagine you probably keep, since you do not have dark vision, probably keep a single light source on while you're doing your own. Do you have low light vision? I think I've asked this question Um, a million times because cat folks seem like they should. I do have low light vision. Yeah. So just kind of keeping a low burning lantern, which fills this room with dim illumination, although with your... With your low light vision, you can see quite well even by the light of a single lantern. Huzzah. Still dim enough, though, that everyone else in here can sleep. Anuris, I'm sure, turns it off whenever he gets up. Mm. Him and his dark vision. Haha. <laughs> Hollis puts a hat on her face. He goes all noir again. You look over, you see that the 
the main door to the room is still closed. The door out onto the uh, patio is still closed. The windows are still shut by Falto as he secured this chamber. You're not getting your deposit back. Sudi, as you as you become aware of this sound, you take a second, you glance towards the main door, you look over towards the, the set of double doors exiting out onto the balcony. You don't see any movement. You don't hear anything in addition to what you'd heard the first time. Now it's just silence. Oh. <sighs> Sudi's going to do the brave, yet tactically smart thing, and wake up somebody else. How is that the brave thing? <laughs> this is a brave Well, because we're going to go up on the roof and check Witness my courage, person. Yeah. No, we're going we're <laughs> to go up on the roof. Hey. So he goes over to Citra as one of the other, like, probably more lithe people and uh, shakes her awake. Lithe? <laughs> Live. I, I need know. some quick citra. I need someone limber. <laughs> yeah, you know. Climbing, I guess. Well, it's just climbing and like, you know, struggling. Although Hollis it. can fly and so can Onuris, but whatever. Citra probably just groans at you and is like, what? Citra, I heard the noise on the roof. His tail's all poofed up. I'm all poofed up. Cat's poof. I'm poofy. So what do you want me to do? Well, come with me so we can go up on the roof and see what it is. Are you sure people aren't just having a party up there? There's no terrace up there. Oh. Yeah. Oh, so okay. It could be assassin. Are there any stairs? No, we're going to climb up out the, out the balcony. Climb on the roof. This sounds like a terrible idea. No, it's a great idea. We need to see what it is. It could be danger. It, exactly. It could be danger. I'd rather take some stairs. There's no stairs up there, though. <laughs> on your size and asleep. <laughs> <laughs> just, just all of a sudden, we're just like, instead of like the sounds of snoring, it's just... Citra <sighs> <laughs> groans, rolls out of bed, and ties on her kukris. Falto kind of glances up between the two of you. Did I miss something? Uh, Is it danger? I mean, uh, there might be danger. I mean, maybe, but I heard something on the roof. Citra and I are going to go check it out. If you hear, like, the sounds of us screaming and dying, wake everyone else up and save us. I think everyone else will hear us screaming and dying. I mean, I should hope so. You never know. Anyway, keep uh, looking Sounds, It looks down like Hollis sleeps like the dead. I mean, <laughs> I mean, perception isn't a class skill for either a cleric or a no, wizard. No, but I so. get heck of bonuses from one of my... Uh, Does it offset the minus 10 sleeping penalty? Hollis starts with a zero. I still get a three. Yeah, so you might. I get a zero. <laughs> so negative 10. What? You don't have any ranks in perception? I got a zero. <laughs> wow. Okay, then. Do you not have the Elven King senses? Should've One had, moment. It should have given you at least a plus two. I traded that in for something else. Yeah. Did Sugar also lose the alertness feat that she grants you within five feet? Yes, because ah. that's a thing she gives up for her archetype. Ah, okay, so yes. Yeah, you have no bonuses well, less for anything. Per- least perceptive elf. Not perceptive at all. <laughs> Sleeps like the dead. Sleeps like the dead. Yes. Or trances or whatever it is that elves do. I don't know. She said she put a, a her hat over <clears throat> her face. So yeah. Well, because she also has dark vision, so that light's real bright. Yeah, I guess it's true. <laughs> All right. So keep a lookout down here. We're going to go check the roof, um, and hopefully it's nothing. Okay. Or it could be something. Don't jinx us. I'm just saying. I heard something, and it was a like a thump-thump. Again, don't jinx us. Yep. Okay. Falto stands up, stretches, does a couple limbering stretching exercises, straps on his sword belt. All right. All right. Let's go. Lead the way. Sudi does lead the way. Uh, Citra, do you don your armor? or? I have mithril. I just wear my armor. Do you sleep in it, too? Okay. I'm a paranoid adventurer. <laughs> this town, definitely. Uh, I also yeah. got attacked by a revenant the last time I didn't. Oh, that's right. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> so. that, that'll make you paranoid, for sure. So, yeah, I imagine you grab your dagger belt yeah. and strap that on. The two of you step out onto the balcony after unlatching it, unlocking it. We stealth. 
a cool wind whistles past coming in off the river carrying with it the smells of the river the city beyond that plant smell of the reeds and moss along the river's banks below you you can hear the slow grinding sound of a single cart pulled by a single obnoxiously loud camel that makes its way past uh, and a driver who sputters and mutters curses to it half drunkenly slurred as he makes his way back you're going to guess to his his home the facade of this building is it is again the nicest inn in town it is therefore exceptionally well made and well maintained whitewashed and blasted by sands over the intervening you have no idea how long this building has been here but decades as such it is not a particularly easy climb to ascend up the side of it basically eyeing it you can tell it's a dc 20 climb check so if you can take 10 and get a 20 i can I cannot. I take 10 and I get a 17. Yeah. So, Sudi, you can scale up the side of this with your climb speed. Can I, also. like, uh, aid her to get her up there? Uh, yeah, you can make an aid another check. Okay. Rope. I take 10 and do that. I didn't grab any rope. Sudi always has rope. I don't sleep <laughs> in rope. Rope is not my mithril armor. Uh, yes. You weren't sleeping, but... Anyway. I mean, I guess it's true. I rolled a 17, so... Uh, and then I aid you, so that's 19, but yeah. it's not enough. Plus what I would get for my climb, which is another seven. So that's a 26. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. There you go. She springs up. Sudi, you, you hop forward, grab onto the wall, dig your sharp claws in, scallop the side of the building, leave a couple scrape marks here and there, just so people know you were here. <laughs> the ledge overhead is only about 12 feet over the top of the balcony. And so you just kind of reach the top of this, reach down with a hand. Citra's able to dig her fingernails in between the thin gaps between the blocks, get up far enough to the point where you can kind of grab onto the back of her shirt to, you know, help alleviate some of the weight, and then the two of you pull up over the top onto the roof of the structure. Oh, we didn't get stabbed in the back, so there's that. Small consolation prize. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. The moon sits high overhead and paints the entirety of the city in shades of blues and grays and silver. From the top of this roof, this structure is five stories tall. There are many structures that are, you know, three to four stories. Tall structures, as far as Sudi is concerned, being from Wati. But from here, you have a commanding view over the surrounding area. I was going to say, can I see my house from here? Uh, no, it's on the other side of the old city, so you can't see past that. I was going to say, that'd be a really far distance to look anyway. Yeah. You can see the line of the river off towards the east. You can hear distant singing coming from that direction, from one, what you're going to guess are probably one of the small shanty taverns or even just groups of workers who have collected outside around a bonfire near the edge of the uh, river bank. And are simply enjoying themselves. Yeah. I was going to say Bart Assassin. Yes. Bart Assassin. Sings a merry tune as he stabs you to death. Throw in the hole with the captain's daughter. (laughs) The wind carries the smell of the river, as well as the distant smell of dates. For those of you of particular keen senses coming in out of the date fields that surround the city. Looking about, sand has accumulated here and there across the roof blown in by the occasional storms and simply left up here. It's thin across the central portion of the roof, but there's a lip around the outside edge where the sand is kind of obscured where the the roof meets the outer wall and it's just piled up in the crevices and recesses. A large blue central dome sits at the top of this roof. And effectively, if you were looking at the building from above, it would almost look like something akin to a plus sign or an X. Uh, as there are four wings branching off of the central portion of this building and this dome, which is almost like a a silo that goes down the full length of the structure, the internal balcony that overlooks the ground floor overlooks the the dining area down below. I'm assuming we don't see anybody up here. No. Hmm. 
I would like to check and see if there's any fresh tracks because I assume there's like sand accumulated up top here. Yeah, there's there's some sand scattered around the central portion. It's not as much as around the outside edge. So you can make a survival check. Sudi, what do you want to do? Um, I guess I'll like, uh, is there any like buildings that they could have like jumped to or anything like that that's within range that they could have like jumped to? Because I mean, if they're particularly good, but all the surrounding buildings are almost 20 feet lower than this one. So probably not. Yeah, so she's checking for, tra- I, you know, I'm just gonna, uh, I'm just gonna aid another on looking for tracks. Okay. So, I, yep. Survival yeah. DC ten. What do I have for survival? A four. There's a chance. I do aid you. I get a thirty-four then. Wow! Well, I, I rolled a nineteen. I get a plus thirteen plus two. So. Well, yeah, I picked the right person to come up with me on my <laughs> on my adventure. I think. What what are all survivals? Zero. Zero. Seven. I had to make up <laughs> for our lack of Segura. Oh, yay. So. I picked the right person. I feel accomplished. Citra, <laughs> <laughs> you make your way forward. You know it has to be in the immediate area of Sudi heard it below. Mm-hmm. You slink your way across the rooftop here. You glance down. Sudi crouches down next to you, and you, you kind of look over. You see a couple of, of marks here, sand-blown area. You see where you're going to guess some... Some birds at some point have probably landed up here recently, as you see a few avian tracks, although obviously that's nothing that Sudi would probably hear from below. Depends on the size of the bird. You kind of glance over, ignoring Sudi's footprints from where he's kind of walking around and trying his best to help you. After a second, though, you glance back towards one of these paw prints. Sudi is, uh, I think you're 5'4", five, 5'6". Five, I am 5'4". Five 5'4", foot four. Five foot four, yeah. Sudi is an average-sized person. And while his paw prints are close to those the size of Isra, when you had Isra as part of the party, there's a print here that is substantially larger, still feline, still a large cat-like print, but easily four times the size of Sudi's footprint. Oh, geez. Do I know what it is? Sphinx? Uh, you may make a knowledge nature. Yeah, I don't have that. I don't Come have get that the either. chicken. <laughs> <laughs> Dang it. We like lean over Super the side sugar. and say, sugar, sugar. Get up here. We need to identify something. <laughs> no, we may seriously actually do that. She has a really good knowledge nature. But she, no, she wouldn't be able to tell us. We'll have to wake up Paulus to do that. We're on her it. Dang it. Yeah, we no, can't speak to on her it. You have to stand on yours. On her it, on yours. Either way, somebody else is getting woken up. <sighs> All right. Although so Hollis also has nature. I guess Sudi will leave Citra down there. Go up down. There. Or up hey, there. Balto might have it. Balto have any nature? No, that's not exactly a shtick. However, in addition to this print, you do notice something else. You kind of glance this over, wave Sudi over the two of you look down at. You only see three prints. It's possible that whatever it was stepped someplace else, or it's as if whatever it was landed because there's the prints are obvious, they're apparent here, but you don't see them walking. It's as if whatever it was suddenly appeared here, landed, was summoned, who knows, and then equally just disappeared. Although you only see three prints, what looks to be maybe one four-leg to rear, so maybe a three-legged lion. Interestingly, however, you do see a spackling of blood. Oh. Uh, near like how near the paw prints? Like, was it coming from like their belly? It, or? it looks like it's somewhere in the vicinity of the front paw print that you see here. Hmm. It's not a lot. For a second, you probably kind of glance around, having I imagine having had cats while you were growing up, looking around for feathers or the remains of a rodent or something that a a large cat would have pounced at from a perch above. But you don't see anything there. Just a small amount of blood, and as you crouch down, 
the blood itself being quickly absorbed by the sand. A small amount of tawny golden fur. Is it Teddy's... Teddy Sura. <laughs> there was a moment there. Yeah, I was like, Did it, it close. I'm like, on Sphinx? Did I get it? Sphinx. <laughs> oh, thank God, because yeah, I no, wanted no, to say Teddy Ursa. That's what I always say. I always say every time. I mean, the coloration's close. When she first appeared to you, she appeared to you as a large white lioness. But mm-hmm. when she had assumed her, you guess, her natural form, she had been a soft golden. Well, so either whatever this was pounced on something and grabbed it and then immediately took off again or it might be injured there's Giant a little bit of blood cap. over here uh it's and interesting some tawny colored fur i mean that could have been like a house cat maybe i don't know i don't know what, well, actually i do know what sphinxes probably eat so the look at your paw so do now you look at this hand? paw no no your other paw the so, feet paws <laughs> <laughs> so he looks at his hand you're like look at his paw looks at his hand no the other paw looks at his feet <laughs> Do you notice a difference? I mean, the fact that it's... Uh, he does the Lion King thing. Where <laughs> <laughs> papa. Remember who you are. That's my papa. Uh, no, no. City looks and it's like, I mean, that's a lot larger than mine. That's what I mean. Is whatever this was, was No, no, no. I mean, massive. like... No, I mean, like, would the Sphinx have possibly captured a house cat? And that's what you're seeing is, like, some blood and fur from that. Cannibalism. Do, do sphinxes <laughs> eat house cats? <laughs> what do sphinxes eat? Says Sudi as he rolls his lore sphinx. Humans. I love that you went for it attacked a house cat. I don't know. <laughs> I'm trying to make up excuses. Um, all right. So I rolled surprisingly well with a 17 for a 21 lore sphinx they eating thing. Don't eat house cats, I'm pretty sure. They eat good berries, man. Uh, generally speaking, they are carnivores. They'll eat pretty much everything. Actually, I think they're omnivores, but uh, they'll eat pretty much anything that they can. Like many big cats, they primarily hunt prey creatures. So in the desert, anything, camels, horses, antelopes, lizards, so on and so forth. It should be noted that it depends on the type of sphinx, as certain sphinxes, the more evil variety of sphinxes, will also hunt people. However, the the good variety of sphinxes tend to avoid trying to hunt and eat intelligent beings. Okay. So, I mean, I mean it's possible. It depends on what kind of a sphinx it is. If it's a more evil-aligned sphinx, I mean, they eat all kinds of things. So Normally, how, like, prey animals. Even how cats. many sphinxes do you know that hunt in cities? Wasn't there a... I feel like I heard something about the ring of sphinx around here. No, that's what they thought it was, but nobody really knew. They said it could also be a manticore. They believe that there's some sort of sphinx or lion-like creature hunting outside of the city to the north. Yeah, but it's killing, like, camels and yeah, prey animals. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's attacked caravans. There have oh, been no survivors. Yeah. Okay, so... Yeah, but if it's, like, a manticore, they would probably find, like, the spikes that it, you know, throws out of its tail and things like that. Yes, because the city guard knows what that is. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, be like, what happens do you have of this javelins. attack? <laughs> I see a lot of bodies filled with quills. You know, I don't know. Giant porcupine. Dire porcupine. That's <laughs> <laughs> fair. I don't know. I don't. The three legs is also weird. Well, that's what I mean. It could have been injured. Like maybe on his paw. Could be. I wonder if there's any like magic that we could cast to do like find it. Might tell us what it is at least. Well, that would be a Hollis question, not the Citra question. It's true. I will allow both of you to make me a perception roll as well. Oh boy, we get attacked from above. Hollis is never going to hear y'all die, so... <laughs> Alright, I rolled a 13 for a 28. Oh, wait, is this site-based? Yes. 
24. So got a 19. Suda, you consider that. Take a second, you glance around. Probably looking up towards the sky, like maybe it's around here somewhere. Maybe it's, you know, your original thought that maybe it landed here and then sprang through the air and leaped to another building. It's then you notice something far off towards your right-hand side. As you're, you're standing here, you're talking to Citra, you glance around, you look back in the direction of the dome, and then you see something small sitting in the shadow of the dome. Kitty. Is it a kitty? It's not moving, whatever it is. Please oh. come wake me up. Please come wake all of us up. Uh, okay, so this is getting <laughs> suspicious call down. enough. Yeah, I think Maybe this is getting should, suspicious like, enough to call the yeah. reinforcements. So like Stomp our feet and be like, hey. Well, hey, Alto's hey. awake downstairs, so you could call him to wake us up. Okay, so how far up is the balcony door from the roof? Like, is this a situation a where six, I can, There's like... six feet clearance over the balcony door oh, to dang. the roof. Are we going to try to do the dramatic, say. like, flip over and, like, sw- swoop in? Yeah. Uh, that would have been That or cool. just hang my head down and be like, hey, Falto, get up here. <laughs> uh, that would have been really cool if you done the, sw- the swoop in thing. Yeah. Uh, that would be really acrobatic and awesome, but oh well. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's not, like, a Batman skylight that you could just drop down through. Just grab on yours. Who does he work for? Anyway. Swear to me. Okay. All right. You um, keep an eye on that. I'm going to call down. Okay. Don't blink. I mean, I have to blink. Blink and you die. I have to blink. I can't help it. It's also a wink. <laughs> it's a blink and a wink. Anyway. Okay. Citra goes to the ba- the side with the balcony doors and like calls down to Falso. A wink. Okay. I mean, uh, we're going to get everybody up regardless. Yeah. Like, this is this is clearly yeah. intrigue. Except for you and I can both climb this, so we might want to tell one of them, where did you stash your rope? I can fly. I can fly. Oh, never mind. What? <laughs> <laughs> Magic, I mean, guys. I, I like the idea that we're like, okay, and bring up the rope, and the, the two wizards, or the two casters come floating out and flying around gracefully, like, what Citra rope? just mutters, show off. I know, right? It's like, gosh. <laughs> so you relay to Falto. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Falso can wake up the rest of the group, shoves on your shoulder a little bit. It's just that thing where he's kind of like a kid that's just leaning uncomfortably close oh, no. to your face when you wake up. Can I help you? So uh, there may be something trying to kill us. <laughs> I'm not sure. I haven't heard screaming yet. What's going on? Oh, no, there's just something on the roof. <laughs> you can put on your coal and all that stuff if you need. He makes his way over towards... <laughs> I thought you did put on coal. Yeah, but I mean, on yours isn't going to need that for fights. He wakes up, his makeup's all smeared over his face. What? (laughs) Put on your your face. You didn't have the makeup remover that you, like, take it off every night? He definitely does. He takes off his his mummy's mask face mask. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Call back. On is going to grab his weapon at the very least and his shield. It takes me too long to put the breastplate on. Very well. And, uh, you know, Falto comes over and... By the time he's coming over, I imagine Sugar's already woken up and kind of scratched at Hollis's. Ow. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say her hat until I woke her up. <laughs> my hat's on my face. <laughs> well, yeah, so it's just that scratching sound of. It is not the morning. It is not the morning. Why Honey, are you waking up? No. No. It looks like the boys are up to something. <laughs> I move my hat and I look. <laughs> Onuris is like getting up, grabbing his weapon and everything else. All right. Falto standing dramatically, silhouetted in the moonlight. Fine. <laughs> I like that he just gets that naturally for free. Like, just like. It's panache. Yeah, just He's panache. panache. Just randomly, like, just he just positions himself just to be, like, the most dramatic possible. He regains panache <laughs> points by standing dramatically. <laughs> Hollis gets up and puts her hats on and stretch. Her hat, she only has one. And hats. stretches. Puts her hat on and then puts a tiny little yeah, cowboy a little hat on sugar. On sugar. <laughs> um, are we having a 
not cap. That's going Apparently, on. there's something on the roof that may or not may or may not be trying to kill us. Oh, that's fun. <laughs> that's real fun. Let's go up there and see. On yours is going to cast fly. Hollis also will do this. There's no way I'm climbing that wall. <laughs> I figure you'll walk out to the balcony, see it, and go nah. <laughs> Hollis cast fly on herself as well. Grab sugar and just like tuck her under an arm. I imagine on her it flies out the window, takes to the air. Yeah. Circles high overhead, screeches loudly. Don't screech loudly. Or something. (laughs) Just translate. I was like, I'm here. (laughs) He's like, I'm coming. Come face me, evil. (laughs) I'm the knight. And I guess we fly to the roof. This is going to be a friend situation where we have to tie up all the chopsticks together and go poke at this thing (laughs) in the other (laughs) side. I have Mage Hand. We don't need a stick. (laughs) So within about two or three minutes or so. um, (laughs) The caster. The casters float up. Falto gets a 25 on his climb check, so just hops up, grabs onto that, kicks himself up uh, onto the ledge. Panache. I heard yep. there was maybe some death up here. Kind of shivers a little, because it's actually pretty cold up here for all of you standing up here in your night clothes. I have, a, I have a five cold resistance. I'm, I'm fine. Who said anything about the death? Oh, what? I just assumed if you needed the entire party. Oh, no, there's just something creepy on another roof. Oh, a creepy thing. Where? Yeah, it's, it's, on, it's on the same roof. It's on this roof. Yeah. Oh, it's on this roof. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like by the dome in the center of the like. There's just something small in the shed. Uh, oh. looks at Citra. There's a creepy thing on the roof. Where so is woke it? woke me up. Okay, so story time. No, just tell us where the creepy <laughs> thing is. It's, it's over there. I look at my 60-foot dark. <laughs> yeah, vision. me too. What is it? <laughs> uh, both of you can make a perception roll. Uh-oh. And followed by will save. I get a five. On Yuris rolls a 15, which uh, gets him a 20, 28. Well, that there's just a shadow. I don't know what you're talking about. There's a stick. It's a stick. A s- mage hand. Or it could be potentially an arrow or a wand or if there's something. There, there Or an arrow. Or On Yuris is going to walk towards it no, at this point. I cast the mage hand <laughs> to retrieve it. <laughs> it's like uh, five feet away. It's like how far is it? Really? It's about 35 feet. It's off. 35 feet away. Mage hand to retrieve it. It could be dangerous. That's such a Nethian thing to do. Yes. Don't use mundane means when you can use magic. Yep. So on yours, you walk about halfway across the roof. The object goes flying across the distance back to Hollis's hand. What's this? What's Uh, this? this? Oh, sorry. Were you walking over there to get that? (laughs) (laughs) Heather's just giving the look that that on yours is giving, which is like, The mage hand drifts back toward on yours with the stick. On yours will take it. (laughs) But is it magic? Retrieving this object. The object in question is not a stick. It's not a wand. It appears to be a bolt. A long, slender, silver-tipped bolt. Although the silver-tipped is difficult to tell as there's a small smear of blood and hair along its length. It's a bolt. Hmm. Oh, well, that might be what caused the blood for our large friend. Like, long enough, like, a big enough bolt that it would have been fired from, like... Potentially a heavy crossbow. Mm -mm. Any of those of you wish may make an appraise check. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm smart. I get a 20. I get a 6. Uh, I rolled a nat 20 for a 26. Nice. It's a bolt, Sudi. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I must have misheard the description because I thought it was like a little thing sitting in I said the- that there was just a small something in the shadow of the... Yeah, I thought it was a little kitty because in my head it had to be a kitty. Yeah, when you said small something, that's what I just assumed. That's why I was thinking creepy thing. I probably would not have said creepy thing if it was just a bolt. We're like, excuse you, you woke us up for a bolt. We did wake you up for a bolt. That was poor description of your part. When I think creepy something or a little something. I never said creepy or anything. No, never. I added the creepy, but when you said a little something, I just assumed it must this, be a This cat. setup is creepy because of the lack of, of things we're and being the told. Like, I, the installed I just period. assumed that it reached that tipping 
tipping point where you're like, there's too many things going on up here. I need the entire party. Well, yeah, that was my thought was I was like, okay, let's just get everybody up here and then finish the investigation because like, uh -oh. I feel like maybe there's some divination spell or something that we can cast to be like, whose is this? So you didn't know magic. Scrying? Well, the five yeah. of you gather together. The bolt in question is, it's a long bolt, dark wood with a silver tip to it. Citra and Hollis both looking this over. It is a well-balanced, well-crafted crossbow bolt. Small markings etch along the length of this, denoting where at one point there would have been magical runes up until the point that this bolt was fired. Detect magic? Is there anything lingering? Uh, detecting magic. Go ahead and make me a spellcraft. That's a big number. <laughs> well, that's good, I guess. Uh, 34. Uh, and make me an ultra con as well. That's not as good. I actually rolled a 20. <laughs> a 20, yeah. I rolled a 3 on the dice, so 20. For my arcana, I got a 22. Cool. So, Hollis, you whisper off a detect magic. I think that's the first time Citra's used this, but Citra, you focus, activate the magic of your... Uh... My robe of the hedge wizard. Nice. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, cast detect magic. Hollis glances at you and gives you a thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> Sudi once I again. I rolled a, a twenty on my spellcraft. Sudi uh, yeah. once again, only person who doesn't have any magic. Well, you sorry, I rolled a seventeen. I got a twenty, but you pick yourself another spell. We'll learn it. We'll, I'll learn it to you. Uh, I got to vanish. I yeah, haven't used it yet. After but. that, you got more magic to learn. You've got a lot of magic to learn. Yes. So, Hollis, with your spellcraft, you can tell that there was a magical aura on this. It is fading. This was an enchanted bolt, although you can't determine what the enchantment on this was meant to do. Uh, Citra, with your knowledge arcana, you can determine that this, at one point, was a transmutation aura. Interesting. Huh. Are there any bolts that do transmutation stuff? It's a Bane bolt transmutation. I mean, you can't shoot someone with a polymorph, right? That'd be weird. It'd be amazing. They should make that. <laughs> a Baleful polymorph arrow? That'd be amazing. No, no, F you, bird being, and then it turns into, yeah. like, an elephant. I don't know. It'd be weird. I, like I, mean, you, I like that you made the bird bigger. I don't know. This is my life. There are a variety, of course, transmutation effects. Most notably, magic weapon that's actually necessary to enchant an arrow to be plus one. Even, oh. Mm -hmm. Is a transmutation effect. Yeah. So it could just be that, or it could be something more. Well, that's a fine arrow. And you said it still had, like, fur embedded in it and stuff? Yeah, it still got a little fur on the tip and some, uh, some blood... Citra being the only resident crossbow woman. Actually, I think you're the only I one. have a crossbow. Oh, okay. On yours also has a crossbow. Sudi doesn't. I've only ever seen Citra fire one. All this has been in one combat and she turned into a rock. That's true. <laughs> rock out. On yours basically went, nope, and then uh, kept casting spells. Yeah. If something were shot by this, the bolt would have probably stayed in. This looks like maybe it was a grazing shot, as you can only see blood splattered across half of this bolt. Hmm. Well, I don't think it was a, a hit. I think it just grazed uh, whatever it tried to shoot at. Then how the f*** did it get on this roof? Well, I'm assuming something on another roof shot at it. But how would they know it was even here? I mean, I mean you said it landed it, for like, a second. Yeah, I mean, I heard it almost as soon as it landed, so... I think something is hunting it. Hollis is going to cast the invisibility. You cast the invisibility. Uh, go and give me a perception roll or a knowledge engineering for That's the rest better. of the party. Oh, I have knowledge engineering. Oh, for but the rest of the my party? My perception's way higher, though. For me? Do I roll things? It is sight-based. Yes. Okay. Either perception or knowledge engineering. Oh, okay. I get a 14. Uh, Sudi gets a 23. Citra rolled an 18 for a 30 perception. Onuris gets a 26 uh, on his perception. Okay. So, Citra, you kind of, you look over this arrow. Hollis casts her sea invisibility, takes a quick glance around. You don't see anything invisible 
it stretches to the line of your sight. So, all right. Yeah, you don't see anything invisible anywhere around you. Hmm. Citra, I imagine you kind of uh, you look over at where the bolt had landed, probably having hit the dome and ricocheted off. And you kind of walk back over towards where the prints were, um, steadily being disintegrated by the occasional gust of wind that comes over the top and blows the sand to the side. And then you look past, just continuing the line to what appears to be simply a tall watchtower, maybe some 50, 60 yards away. Is there anybody in the watchtower? There are no lights on it. You're going to guess during a time of of conflict or struggle, possibly. Um, It's the only thing here that's high enough to afford a view of the top of the structure as it stretches up to a height of some 70 feet. My guess is that it came from up there. It's the only thing with a good enough vantage point. On her at... Go see yes. if there's anyone in that tower. Don't get shot, though. How's this night vision? Right. I'll suppose I'll go and check and see if there's someone with an itchy trigger finger hiding in that tower. Kaka. He <laughs> spreads his wings, takes the air. Get shot immediately. There's the screech as he flies out. It's a natural instinct. I guess I'll look at these tracks since I have knowledge nature. Uh, yeah, you may make a uh, knowledge nature check if you so wish. Sugar will help me. Sugar, wow, sugar helps me, and I get a nat 20. Nice. For a, let's see, 23 plus 2, 25. No, 35. Hey. 35. So, Hollis, you crouch down, you look over this as the bird circles off in the distance, doing a wide circle around the tower before steadily closing in on it just to make sure he doesn't immediately alert anyone. These are definitely feline tracks. It would be for a large cat. And by large, I mean mechanically large cat. Mm. So panthers, leopards, cheetahs, the other variety of of big cats, quote unquote, could not have made tracks this large. This is something approaching. uh, It's even larger than what many lionesses would be. For instance, like the ones that you'd seen with Mom and Afra, this would be something like a large alpha male lion or tigers, although they're not native to this continent. Yeah. Or potentially something... Line nine. You know, Falto crouches next to you and I suppose the two of you kinda as he's like, Is it is it a Sphinx? Is it a is it a Moftet? Is it a I don't know. You know of the Moftet, the Lionine humanoid beings, although they're no larger than Sudi, it would be a, a cat folk size print. Mm. You do see that there's no signs of it arriving here or walking away. And with your detect magic you can cl- glance around, you don't see any lingering auras of of conjuration. Yeah. Let's fly. I mean, Sphinx seems most likely to you, but... Yay. Hmm. I reckon this is probably a Sphinx. Sphinx. Like an actual Sphinx? Well, it had to fly. It had to be large. Much larger than, like, Mamanoffer's lionesses. But what would a Sphinx be doing in the city here? Well, I mean, if it was shot at, it may have just been passing by or something. Mm. I mean, it's a little coincidental that it came to us and was in our area. Could have been just that, the coincidence. Possibly. Anybody hunted by sphinxes? Y'all have a a vendetta out? No, No, we've met a sphinx before. Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. That's how I got the stone put in my head. There are no other prints, right? Just the lion prints. Hmm. Not that we could see. Well, in ours, I guess. On her, it flutters back. Lands nearby. There's no one there. I think someone was there. What gives you that impression? There is a lantern. Smells like oil and smoke, but it's dark now. There's no one at the tower, but there is a lantern. On her, it said he smelled oil and smoke. Well, where'd that guy go? 
Could have gone anywhere. If he's hunting a, the Sphinx, assuming it is a Sphinx, and it landed injured and then took off again, he may have pursued it. Hmm. Well, I don't think there's anything to be done about it tonight. I say we go finish and get some rest and hmm. just keep alert. Definitely keep an eye out in case it returns or our mysterious hunter returns. Uh, would that watchtower like have a shot in our? It's balcony? facing the size of it's facing the side of the building that you're in. Ooh, fun! So you know, if the guy decides to start hunting people, like he's you know craving the hunter, he could mm-hmm. uh, shoot directly into our uh, bedroom. That's fun. Well, the Sphinx well, we could also be the bad one. You never know. I mean, yeah, I'm just paranoid adventurer. I mean, whoever fired, that's a good shot. Yeah. It's at least 250 feet. And had the money to afford a fancy arrow. Yep. Adventurer, maybe. Who knows? Does Onuris know Teddy Surik and Wild Shape? How, can she turn into smaller creatures? Um, yeah, you should be able to. Yeah, she should be capable of. You don't entirely understand Druidic magic, but she could have sh- been a small cat. And you're sure there aren't any other prints up here? I mean, I'm not the one that's good at looking at things, but... And I rolled like a 30... Forward and yeah, I mean, I mean you saw a couple other bird prints and things like that, but those looked to have been yeah. older. Doesn't seem so. Nothing fresh. It was older bird prints, and now all of ours. We've walked all over this roof, so it's a mess now. But I didn't see anything else that would have suggested that something else was up here. Why? Teddy Sir is a druid. If something, if someone was, if it was her saying that she came to check on us or some other something else, and someone shot at her. The quickest way to make an escape would be to turn it into something smaller. Do I know of any magic that we could do with this? We have blood. Like a locate... I don't have it, I don't think. Locate creature. That's probably too high level. Uh, right go ahead and make me a knowledge... Technically, be a knowledge arcana. Okay. Um, seven, 17... 24. With a 24, the first spell that would spring to mind would be blood biography. Oh, it's a third level spell. It's a divination spell. You can learn the answers to a specific set of questions about creatures so long as you have access to at least one drop of its blood. Is it a wizard spell or a wizard cleric spell? Or? Uh, Sorcerer wizard three, cleric oracle three. Well, if you want to ask for a spell called blood biography in the morning from your deity, because I don't have it in my spell book, we could do a little divination on the blood and ask some questions. Oh, fun. So you I, can find out if it was your friend. I can always pray for it. Horus will decide whether or not it's deemed fit. All right. It's deemed fit. Spoilers. <laughs> we That's are not Horus. how cleric spells work in the game. The I players know. are the deities in the game. Yes. We are our own deity. I'm going back to bed. Yeah, I need to get some I mean, rest. That seems wise. I'll uh, finish my watch. You should take that bolt so we have that blood for the morning. Okay. I mean, so do you grab it? Well, I think Onyrus is still holding it. Yeah. I will take it down. Okay. We fly back to our beds. Slash climb. You guys are still under the effects of a fly spell, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I'm not going to fly over to the tower and get shot at. Well, I said nobody was... I mean, we could take a look. I, I mean, mean, nobody's in there. I don't think it's that big of a deal, to be honest. It's so intriguing. Onuris is going back to bed. Well, Hollis ain't going by herself. <laughs> That's take sugar fun. with you. <laughs> well, that doesn't help. She's not very... Um, Marshall. Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. We go back to... We return to bed. Okay. The uh, the five of you make your way off the roof. You descend back down. You make your way, settling back in. I imagine to fitful sleep. Hollis thinks about that sphinx for a long time before she goes to sleep. <laughs> yep. A lot of you settle in. Hollis, you pull your hat down and contemplate sphinxes. Mm-hmm. Sudi sits up and contemplates sphinxes. Yeah. Citra and Falto settle in their respective cots and probably annoy Onuris as Falto's over there like, Hey, what do you think it was? 
was. I think his Sphinx would be kind of cool. I still think we should have kind of fought that Sphinx. Oh my god. <laughs> There's a pretty good bounty on it. I could use 5,000 gold pieces. <laughs> <laughs> on your, you know, you settle in, you head to sleep. You're woken up like 45 minutes later. Uh huh. <laughs> Poor on yours. He's having a, a rough night. <laughs> To be fair, though, fully because, rested yeah, with your somehow, ring of sustenance. Yeah, somehow fully rested, even though you've only That's got forty-five fair. minutes of nap. He just needs a little bird nap. I suppose you and Sudi tag out. Sudi, you know, hops up on the bed, walks five times in a circle, and then curls into a ball. <laughs> uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe he needs a little bit. You know, yeah, you gotta fluff the pillow. It's true. It's true. You know how hard it would be to resist a poke at Sudi's little toe beans. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> like, not for on yours. That's a Heather thing. Yeah, this is why Hollis doesn't have a watch. Else, she use her mage hand to like. Poke it. Poke it. Yeah. On you settle in, probably eager to to get to dawn to see Ra's right triumphant return back to the sky and pray to Horus and gain your spells. Determine whether or not this was a a friend or foe that's paying you a nighttime visit. You almost don't notice it at first. It's back. <laughs> yes. The jingling sound. Ching, 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 ching. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. No. This episode should be the one with Santa. <laughs> no, it should be the one with Sandy Claus. As you sit here, you smell this faint scent of incense. Frankincense, perhaps. You stand, you walk a short distance back next to the bed. Where Sudi sits curled in a ball, softly purring. It's coming from your backpack. Open it's it the up. the mask. Open it up. Is it the mask? You open it up. You reach in, your fingers softly touching the cold metal of the mask as you pull it forth. The smell becomes stronger, and with it comes a sound, like, like sobbing. And the face of Hakatep stares placidly up at you. Well, Citra and I made a deal. On yours, we'll walk over to her cot. Poor Citra. Place a hand on her shoulder. So petty. The one where Citra's with Citra's sleepless night. Oh, is it back? The mask is potpourriing. And crying. It's giving me smell o visions. Can she smell it too now that I've woken her up? No. The mask is, it smells of incense and I can hear crying. I promised I'd wake you up next time. I don't smell anything. Do you want me to wake Sudi as well? That's up to you, but I need to put it on. She's I don't know a how. quick shout, everyone up! <laughs> I was like, I, got, I can't. <laughs> Stop. I'm already going to have to sleep, sleep for another hour. <laughs> Keep having to sleep more. I, I don't know how long the effect will last, so I'm going put to put on, on the mask. Put it on, I'll wake Sudi. So, Onyris will put on the mask. And Citra will go shake Sudi. Can I make a perception check for sugar? Uh, yeah, you can make a perception check for Hollis, too. Oh, okay. It's DC 10. Yeah, Hollis doesn't make it. Um, <laughs> sugar probably doesn't either. She got an 18, but minus 10 is an 8. So, no. So, Regular you know, wake Sudi up and it's just like... Sphinx? Sphinx? No. Mask. Oh, Okay. <laughs> Sudi's like, whatever. It's not nearly as interesting as a sphinx and a, a, a midnight visit from a sphinx. Really? Really? This ancient mask showing visions of the past is less interesting than a sphinx that we don't even know is there? Do we know you that there's a deal? We know. Obsession with sphinx. Well, actually, this room isn't Do that long. 
Okay. Are we waking Hollis as well or no? Hollis needs sleep. Hollis need, should rest. Sugar um, can be awake, maybe. Well, I mean, now with like three people carrying on conversations, I imagine Sugar's eight will wake up because it's a DC zero to overhear the details of a conversation. I assume a whispered conversation would be probably closer to a five or a ten. Mm. So with them literally ten feet away mm. having a whispered conversation. <laughs> Sugar wakes up and looks at you all. There's a soft pop, pop. The beady eyes of this chicken stare out at you. She's like, yes, more stories. <laughs> <laughs> a wing kind of extends and does a kind of carry on. <laughs> I love sugar the most. She I'll pulls out her stenographer's kit. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's chicken scratch. <laughs> I mean, we'll wake Hollis up if we need to, but I think we we should be okay, right? I mean, the two of us can take on Hollis or take on Onuris if Onuris gets possessed. Well, I don't know. I feel like we'd be leaving her out. I mean, it is important. Okay. Sudi walks over to Hollis, gets down. Sugar bites you. Oh. <laughs> hey, hey. He reaches out a paw. He puts a paw like on Hollis's face. Like, yeah. Wow, what the what the she slaps your hand away and she opens her or she opens. <laughs> she opens the hole in the top of her head. <laughs> she moves her hat. Up to what you. do you want? Okay, up to you if you want to stay awake for this. The the mask is is doing magicy things. She looks over at Onurus. Who has the mask on at this point. Yeah. He's not waiting for y'all's drama. <laughs> I assumed this was happening like while Yeah, while while the vision he's this. visioning. How long these last? We don't know. It, last time it was quick, but it's only yeah, well, I don't know. I wasn't around for the other one. So Mechanically speaking, my dear. You've already been interrupted and have to add an hour to your <laughs> meditations before you can prepare your spells again. All right, I guess I'm going to be awake. Although there's an argument over strenuous activity. I guess I'm going to be awake then. She like rolls over onto her side and just looks at Andres. <laughs> Is Falto awake? Everybody's nope. awake now. <laughs> no, Falto's, Falto's just, the one. No, Falto actually has a pretty good perception. If the chicken's awake, I'm sure Falto's awake. Yeah. So I suppose with everyone staring at you on your... Oh, goody. I'll take you, notes. You take the mask, you slide it up. Again, the mask does not attach to anything. You place it on your face with intent, and it adheres to your face. Ooh, Creepy. Hollis does want to inspect you while you're wearing the mask and poke a little bit and look and see how it's attached and such. Magic. The cool of the mask turns to a soft warmth. And for those of you watching, you can see as the features of Hakatep subtly shift into the familiarly similar features of Onuris. Well, that's real weird. Although Onuris with the cool pharaoh beard. He should really grow a beard. I what? think that might be against his religious order. I don't know. He shakes his head for that, doesn't well, he? We can ask him if it's against his religion to grow a beard, but <laughs> I don't think so. I don't know. He shakes his head. I, I don't mean, know how that works. Those are different things. I think priests are allowed to have facial hair. I don't know anything about horrors. Hollis scratches that down as something else to ask Onuris later. <laughs> Onuris... The room around you fades slowly into darkness. That smell, that scent of myrrh and frankincense becomes stronger. And with it come other smells. Burning wood, smoke. And you feel this heat, this this warmth. Not like you're next to a fire, but this, this stuffiness. You spent years working for the church. Or at the very least, working here in Tafu. And spent a year working for the Church of Phrasma and Wati. You know the feeling and the smell of a sick room. As you look up, you can see the chamber around you. It's large, spacious, palatial, which would probably be a good term for it. Four thick 
pillars, crafted to look like closed lotus blossoms, hold up a ceiling high overhead. The walls here are covered in beautiful depictions of the river Sphinx and workers along the edge of the riverbank. A large door stands behind you, ornate, flanked by two guards, and a large open arch leads out onto a balcony. The ceiling in this room is covered in a thin veil of smoke from the incense burners and is somewhat lost by the gossamer curtains that dangle from its heights. In the center of the room between these four pillars is a large bed and laying upon this bed is a near skeletal figure, the emaciated form of Dejerdit I. Beyond the edge of this bed, surrounding it, in fact, on all four sides, you see multiple figures. Each one of these men and women wear robes of various colors, blacks and blues, red and yellow. Each of them has what appears to be a leopard skin wrapped around them, denoting them as priests. And each of these four figures wears a headdress, a large metal mask depicting various animals. You see a priest with a jackal-headed mask. Anubis. One with a mask of a falcon. Yay, horse. <laughs> a woman wearing what appears to be the mask of a, a bull or a cow. It's Hathor. And a woman wearing a headdress, that of a lioness. Is it Bastet or Sekhmet? Sekhmet. Each one of these figures stands around the four edges of the bed. Each one prays to the gods and steadily swing back and forth, back and forth, small incense burners that they carry, filling the room with this smell. Beyond them, you see a small cluster of women. Well, women may be a bit of an exaggeration in many of their cases. Will look to be six, maybe seven women ranging in age from the oldest is perhaps 20. The youngest is no more than maybe three or four. They cry except for some of the youngest who don't honestly seem to understand what is going on. They are consoled by three other women. And as you look them over, as you see their finery and their clothing, you realize that this must be, those three women must be Dejerdit's wives. You can only guess the other six or seven are his daughters. And there at the foot of the bed, you see the two. The older boy looks stern. He watches his father as the man raspily breathes with a look on his face of, you're not entirely sure. One part of it looks to be concern, but the other part is somewhere between pity and maybe disgust. The young boy next to him stands slightly behind his older brother and watches with this expression of, of sadness, but a studied expression of someone who's been trained to hide their feelings and their emotions. Only the slight quiver of his lower lip giving him away. The jackal-headed priest steps away from the edge of the bed and approaches the two boys. The man lowers his head and his voice somewhat echoes from within the metallic headdress he wears. It's not a mask in the traditional sense, not like the, the mask that you're wearing at the moment. It's almost this headdress where it, it extends up as if the top of the, the jackal head is above his head and he's staring out from within the, the creature's mouth. Like in Stargate. Like in Stargate. Nice. <laughs> Love Stargate. I do too. My princes, it will not be long now. Soon your father will depart. The older boy nods, but the younger boy looks confused. He he can't. His, his pyramid, the, the temple, it's, 
The older boy lays a hand on his shoulder. Our father will depart soon. We will finish his temple, his pyramid, the house for his spirit. The boy nods. The priest glances back. As he turns away, there is a sudden crack sound as the doors slide open. The guards tense, but then allow to pass four figures. The first, the one that draws your eyes immediately, is a tall figure in black robes, wearing about him what appears to be the skin of a panther, and bearing above him a headdress of the set beast. Ooh. Uh, no. Goodness. On your side, I imagine you start in surprise. For those of you watching him outside, you see on Yuris's hand drop down to the empty point on his waist where his kopesh would be as oh. he seems to turn and stare off. Hope something bad. Hollis makes a note. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you're just like cross-legged on the ground. You're like, eh, I'll blast him with magic. No, from she's here. like like teenage girl on us on the bed in the slumber party, like on her stomach with her prop up on her like elbows. Legs, legs her up. With a journal. Her kit her feet kicking. Goodness. How old is your elf? 165. Comfort is comfort. <laughs> Onuris, as you watch this man enters, behind him is a second woman also dressed in priestly robes, although she does not wear the headdress or the ceremonial skin that the high priest wears, but appears to be a dark woman who watches intently and curiously with severe straight-cut bangs and the bob that's usually denoted for someone who's either priestly or some sort of noble. Trailing along behind these two figures, you see two more. One is a young, dark girl, wild hair, wearing simple robes. You don't think that she's more than maybe eight, nine. That being said, she wears robes are much like the older priests. So maybe a, a young priest is in training. The final figure is that of a tall, lanky, albeit, uh, do you have knowledge local? Nope. Okay. Dang it. Sad. Um, a tall, lanky, dark-haired elf. The elven woman simply stands towards the back of the group. To be perfectly honest, you can't tell if she's 50 or 150. Is she dressed like the others in robes of set? Or? Yes. You tense in anticipation, probably glance over towards the guards. However, to Jared, it reaches out a hand in the direction of the man. Jabara. Brother. The man makes his way forward. His brother is the high priest of Set. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, that's weird. I feel like that was probably a scandal that got swept under the rug. Uh, probably. <laughs> no, I think it's not a big deal. Uh, it's I thought probably Set was, I thought Set was like an evil well, deity. I mean, there's, they, there's still temples and stuff. I mean, it was probably not smiled upon, but I doubt it was one of those things that would like ruin Something his. Banned. Yeah. Well, there's been like pharaohs and stuff that were followed Set. Robogog. Yeah. Robogog, yeah. The man makes his way forward. He kneels. He takes his brother's outstretched hand. I am here, brother. I... I can't see. It's... it's dark. Yes, brother, I understand. Do not fear. There is beauty in the darkness. They say... It won't. I understand, brother. I'm sorry I was gone from your side. I have traveled far. I journeyed west, beyond the river basin, beyond the parched dunes, beyond the deserts, past the lands of the Div Kings, past the forces of Aramon, far into the west. 
The old man makes to speak, but simply coughs. The younger man holds his hand tighter. Brother, I have found a solution. A cure. Cure? Yes. I only ask a single thing from you. What? What? The man lays a hand on his shoulder, reaches up with his other, removes his mask, revealing the the shockingly handsome features. Features stern and sharp. Features on Eurus that you feel look uncomfortably familial, like Dejerdit the first, like your own father Dejerdit the second. This dark reflection sets his mask to the side, leans in, leans into the point that you kind of step forward so that as this, this unseen observer, you can get closer. You can tell that he speaks to his brother, but for a moment you see the man's dark eyes glance towards the two boys. Six years. That's all I ask. Six. You have... The man reaches down to his hip, produces a pouch, reaches into it, takes out something. On yours you can see these... leaves, maybe? Petals? They're soft, white, reddish, pink mixture. He lays them in the shaking hand of the sickly pharaoh. Six years. The pharaoh nods, reaches up, and places these petals into his mouth. You see him slowly chew as the other woman, the other priestess of Set, makes her way forward. The other priests and priestesses, those of, of Horus and Anubis and Hathor and Sekhmet, bristle as the other priest approaches. But she makes her way past, placing her hands on either of the boy's shoulders. The high priest stands to his feet. Nephews, our pharaoh shall recover. I have seen to it. Set has seen to it. The younger boy beams. He's he's gonna get better. The man smiles, an expression that almost looks like it pains him. Yes. The older boy looks more confused. He's going to get better. Yes, but now the two of you shall come with me. They both look confused as the woman turns and guides them towards the door. And as they depart, the scene begins to fade. And on yours, you're just left with that, that smell, the hacking sound of the pharaoh, that image of those dark black eyes so like your own. The rest of you saw nothing that Onuris did. However, as almost every person spoke, Onuris muttered and whispered the words beneath his breath. You think. You can't see his mouth move through the mask, but from the mask's, the mask's mouth, you heard the words. Were they in like Onuris' uh, voice or in the voice of like the person speaking? This strange whisper. Ooh, creepy. I guess Hollis noted down everything you said. On yours, as you glance up, you're back in the room. I guess he takes off the mask. Well, that was spooky. What was spooky? I mean, the weird whispers coming out of the mask when you had it on. You uh, talked the whole time. Yeah, it wasn't coming from the mask. It was coming from you. Yeah, but we heard. I mean, what was said, at least. Couldn't see anything, but we heard it. And spooky. Interesting. So Set was there? A high priest of Set, who was apparently the Jared at the first brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, What's mm-hmm. a Set? The god of chaos. Darkness. 
Oh. General evil. Hmm. Okay. It's kind of a Asmodean figure. Who's Asmodeus? Is that right? <laughs> you know who Asmodeus is. Hollis has knowledge religion. Is that right? Yeah. That's, I think, chaotic evil. Yeah, but he's kind of the still bad, but the other side of bad. Yeah, anyone that wishes may make me an alt religion. I shall with my chicken to aid me. Set. Hey, perfect 20. She does aid me. Uh, I get a 27. Perfect 20 for a 25. And Uris also gets a 25. Set is the Lord of the Desert. The neutral evil god of darkness, deserts, murders, and storms. Uh, Of all the deities of the ancient Osirian pantheon, none is as hated and reviled as Set. He represents foreign invader, the desert that encroaches upon the verdant banks of the river Sphinx, the storms that destroy the crops and sink ships, and the dead that rise from their graves. He is evil personified, the enemy of all that is good, a god of sickness and disease, confusion and madness, rebellion and strife. He is the usurper, a murderer, and a stealer of souls. Set as the brother of Isis, Osiris, and Nephthys, who is also said to be his consort, with Neith set as the father of Sobek, set murdered, Osiris mutilated the body and scattered the pieces and then tried to steal his brother's throne, ushering in the Age of Darkness. Set as the enemy of both his brother Osiris and his nephew Horus, set as opposed to Anubis as well, and the two war over the souls of the Osirian dead. Anubis seeks to guide them safely to the boneyard and set to steal their souls and turn them into undead abominations. Lovely. Set appears as a, uh, usually appears as a lean Osirian man with the head of a shaw, oftentimes referred to as a set beast. Woo! So not a good guy. Wait, so he's the deity of sickness and whatnot, but he healed a guy? Well, his priest healed a guy? Uh, did you get a good look at what he was giving him? Some sort of petal. He said he traveled to the west. It was white and pink and red. Do I know what that is? Anyone that wishes may make me a knowledge. Uh, say nature or geography. I don't have either of those. Nope. Geography it is. Wow, those were not good rolls. Sugar does not aid me. Um, 15 plus 7, 22. 22. 22. Hollis, you think for a bit, and by that I mean with your 20-something ridiculous intelligence, um, <laughs> you think for a very short period of time. Hmm. With your Sherlock Holmesian level of intelligence. And we're only 8. 8th level. West from here, you know, is the land of Thuvia. Thuvia is a, is a large desert kingdom. It used to be part of Osirian. However, you know, most importantly, the, the object of greatest importance to Thuvia is the Sun Orchid, a plant with miraculous healing abilities, as well as the ability to grant an individual immortality. Hence, the primary export of Thuvia, the Sun Orchid Elixir. Mm. Uh, not, it's temporary, though, right? Sort of. Mm. Yeah, because you have um, to keep taking it. It's kind of like the Philosopher's Stone in Harry Potter. Mechanically speaking, the Sun Orchid Elixir actually reverses aging. Um, You begin aging normally after you take it, but but it it actually reverses you you back. back, And then Uh. you just continue aging again. Its healing properties are debatable. Go ahead and make me a knowledge history as well. Wait, I have some of that. Well, I haven't told you what this is. Oh, good point. A 25. You do know that the Sun Orchid's true powers were not discovered until the Thuvian alchemists managed to determine its abilities some 3,500 years ago. Although any visions that Onuris is seeing are from at least 6,000 years ago. So long before all of its assorted abilities were discovered. However, it does have miraculous healing abilities. Well, that must have been the Sun Orchid that he, that he found in Thuvia. Although at that point, the, the alchemists in Thuvia hadn't quite made the sunflower or the sun orchid elixir that would have been what 300 3000 some years too early 
3,000 years ago, three more, yeah, something like that. But it still could have helped him, even though they oh, yeah. discovered but for, this. But for how long? I mean, I imagine an elixir would be more well, powerful. It's my kinda, guess is six years. Well, the, the elixir kind of... <laughs> The elixir does this thing where it kind of winds back the clock for you. So you take it, it reverses your age a little bit, and then you age some more like normal. I don't know exactly what the petals would have done, but miraculously healing somebody ain't the least of what I've heard them being able to do. I don't know for how long. Well, the Jared at the first is old at this point. Oh. So even if Relatively speaking. You look to be a man in his 60s. In his 60s or so. Hmm. So even if the petals healed him an ancient Osirian he's already an older gentleman he would have just aged and perished again I suppose and I think their real goal is to get their hands on the princes try to influence them exactly yeah how old how old's the big one they look the six the older one looks to be about 15 and the The younger one looks to be maybe 10 those are still quite impressionable ages especially for humans I'm going to try not to be offended by that well, no, I'm just... Oh, yeah, well, is, I'm like what 17. What is Paulus's knowledge local? At 10 before I roll it, so okay. 20. Yeah, so you're, you're, pr- you're pretty accustomed to telling human ages. Well, I'm just saying that they would... youngins, teenagers and whatnot, they tend to do things, they tend to be a little more impressionable as far as, like, recruiting into organizations. They would be much more easy to indoctrinate into the church. Yeah, than an adult. That is true. And six years is a long enough time for it to just become normal for them. But in the long run, it didn't work. Because the Church of Set wasn't extremely well-known in my time. Well, we also, I mean, do we know? I mean, could that be because of maybe mm. Hakatep's conversion? And I don't subsequent? know. My father followed mm. Nethus. I'll make a note to... I can research that tomorrow and you guys can help your, your friend. Callback. Because we got access to that library and if anybody has those secrets, probably Nethus. I don't imagine Nethus would be that hateful against Set because... Some followers of Nethys are evil. Neutral evil, exactly, actually. <laughs> <laughs> That's game terms. You can't I know. say that. <laughs> I know. Hey. Neutrally she evil. She turns and winks at the camera. <laughs> They're evil in a very, like, non-chaotic and, and non-following-the-law kind of way. Just evil for evil's sake, really. Uh, Selfish sounds evil. Sounds like the followers of Set. Nethys gets along with all sorts of people. Hmm. It's not necessarily a good thing. Eh, well... Uh, any other details that stood out? Anything not, odd or different? Not necessarily. I mean, there was an elven woman, but she didn't speak. She was dressed like the other followers of Set. An elf? That's pretty rare. I say as an elf down here myself. Rarer still in those days. Yeah, in those days it would have been none. Are there any elves in Osirian? I will actually. I will actually allow anyone that wishes to make me a knowledge history check. Hey. Okay. Hey. Everyone rolls with Citra. I get a 22. I got a 15 for a 22. On your nice. ass gets a 24. Nice. Citra twiddles her thumbs and wishes that she read more history books and some art <laughs> books. You can do some history studying too. Too bad there's not a knowledge art check for you. Eh, you know what? I'll go ahead and I'll give it to all of you, especially Hollis, who would probably know this. That is extraordinarily odd. The elves fled Galarian during Earthfall. Oh. They did not return to Galarian until 2,000 years ago. Could she oh. be a drow? Was she a dark-skinned? She didn't look like one. She, she looked darker-skinned, but not... Like, like Mwangi elf. Dark. Yeah. Yeah. Also, your characters wouldn't know anything about drow. I do. Well, you're true. 
Except for you. Was this elf fair-haired with, like, dark, kind of purpley, maybe grayish skin? She had dusky skin and dark hair. Dusky, like brown dusky, or like purple dusky? Like like about the shade of any Osiriani person? A little darker than most Osirian, closer to Kelru. Closer to Kelru for the shade of comparisons. What well, kind okay. of an elf is purple? Well, they're not technically called elves. It's a whole thing. We can get into it later if you really want to. Um, okay. Well, th- that's weird, because Earthfall and whatnot. Yeah, that would have been about 3,500 years before the elves returned. Like most elves were often hiding, for lack of a better word. Maybe somebody got left behind? Well, some people stayed. You either stayed underground and bad stuff happened to you, or you stayed, I guess, down here and you... I don't know. <laughs> you can... Uh, anyone that wishes to make uh, knowledge geography, man. I will. Gonna do it. No, I'm not. I don't have that. What am I saying? How did you? I got a 17. Uh, with the 17, you know that the... You do know pertaining towards the Olijay elves, which are elves that are mostly native to the Mwangi expanse. They tend to be darker skinned, black of hair, dark eyed. They're one of the very few type of elves that remained during the elf sojourn in Castrovel. Uh, there is a, a group of elves in the Mwangi expanse that stayed called the Mwalijay, and they... They are dark, you know, like Grundy people, dark hair, dark eyes. But they're very insular. It would be weird for them to have traveled to Thuvia or to have hooked up with some random priest to set. But I guess, you know, not impossible. Where and how far is Thuvia between the Mwangi Expanse and the rest of Assyrian? Thuvia is separated from the Mwangi Expanse by the barrier mountains but, that separate the Mwangi Expanse from Osirian as well. But it wouldn't be unheard of for an elf from the Mwangi Expanse to be in Thuvia. It would be extraordinarily rare. Well, rare. Uh, that's oh, what's happening. From, <laughs> you know? Well, somehow or another it happened. She was there. And yeah. there was a young girl with them, too. Eight or nine. She looked human. That's weird. She was also dressed as one of the followers of Set. Bit young, isn't it? Not necessarily. And not if you're indoctrinating them or priestess in training. And that happens now. People yes. send their children to the churches at a young exactly. age. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Hmm. But anyway, I can research that tomorrow and y'all can help Kabek and we'll not see if it's anything. Cast that spell in the morning and see if we can learn anything about our other visitor. Mm-hmm. For now, everyone needs to get some sleep. I agree. I agree. Sounds like a good idea to me. So you all settle back down? Yeah. Yes. Kind of watch on yours. You settle back in. Oh, but I do give on yours my notes so that I can be like, this is all the stuff you said in case you want to add it to your own notes because good note taking is... I mean, on yours is going to be journaling for the rest of the night. Yes, yes, yes. Good note taking is very helpful. You got to get all, all that down on paper before it fades. And so I give you essentially like a transcript of what you said and then I go and lay down. Is it in chicken scratch? No, it's me. I wrote it. <laughs> wibbly wobbly. It's in wibbly like me. elven handwriting. Oh, so it's like extremely precise, like cursive. Oh, do you writing. speak Elven? Did you write it in Elven? No. Do you think that'd be my default? Probably. Dang it. Well, give me one. Wait, hold on. One minute. <laughs> one second. Do you have a spell to like cast like tongues on her or something like that? Maybe. Comprehend languages? Yeah, it would be comprehend languages. Oh, it's personal only. Sorry. Well, I can translate this for you in the morning. I'm, I'm gotta go to sleep now. <laughs> <laughs> so all of you settle in. For the third time tonight. <laughs> Don't wake Woo. me ever again. <laughs> the one with the never-ending night. On yours, go ahead and make me a percept. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'll never sleep. We're so done. There's so a knock on the door. It's Kabek with the Medusa. Uh, Hello, friends. It's like we're you done. Find a place Sorry. For this Medusa. <laughs> we're closed for the evening. 
We find a place for the Medusa. It's off the off the balcony. I use some solvent glue to glue this blindfold to her. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the five of you settle in. Wake up the next morning, eat your breakfast. I imagine you let Hollis sleep in a little bit longer because she needs to to actually yeah. be able to prepare her spells. Which on yours, the sun need. rises. I pray. You pray out. Hey, Horace, that, that blood biography spell would be real cool. You're like, hey, Horace. <laughs> I sit with uh, Citra when I wake up and I go, all right, let's 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 see. Uh, what about magic missile? That seems like handy. Do you know magic missile? I know how to read magic and I know how to disappear. All right, so like I'm going to do my deific obedience, <laughs> which is me writing most of this spell to give you like enough clues. And then I cast Mage Hand to give you it as like a, maybe this can help you learn magic missile. And count as my de- deific obedience. Yeah, Citra stares at it and does not understand. I, I like that it's it's not only in Elven; it's in like you know. It's my personal brand of magic. It's your writing, personal yeah. brand of magic <laughs> scrolls, and you're like cast read magic on it, but it's not actually a full scroll. So like, just nothing happens. And you're just like, oh. well, you'll get it. <laughs> it's 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 enough to give you like an inkling because the whole point of it is like. A random person could find it and be like, that's interesting. Let me research. And it's just to like lead them on the path to Nethys and magic. So, so basically what you've got is like a couple of quick drawings of like the hand gestures for like magic missile and like a bunch of elven script. And then the title in like really like fancy elven writing is just the common magic missile or Syriani magic missile. Yeah. <laughs> Spooky. <laughs> this is fun. I will teach you the magic. I'll make a wizard out of you. Yes. It's like that Mulan song, but with wizards. <laughs> so on yours, you settle in while Hollis is over there reading her spell book. You finish your prayers. I suppose take this small amount of blood in the sand that you have. Mm-hmm. You settle it down, unroll a sheet of parchment, cast your blood biography. All right, here we go. Moment of truth. Once you have cast the spell, you receive the answers to the four following questions. Who are you? To which the page slowly writes out the letters A-K-I-T. A-R. Hmm. Akatar? Akatar. What? Are you? To which it writes out, Mel Hierakosphinx. Ooh! Hierakosphinx. Hierakosphinx. That thing. Hierakosphinx. Mm-hmm. Sphinx! How was your blood shed? Was shot by a crossbow bolt. Oh, we figured that part out. <laughs> and when, when was your blood shed? And was when was last night? <laughs> last night. Approximately 1237. <laughs> It wasn't, it, wasn't like, like it wasn't like between the hours of 12 p.m. and what or 12 a.m. and 1 a.m. <laughs> I can't tell time. The writing appears in the blood on this page, and then you feel the spell leave you. Maybe it is a sphinx attacking the caravans. I mean, that would be. Uh, we, I guess I can roll on that kind of sphinx yeah. to identify it. Uh, yeah, anyone that wishes to make me a knowledge arcana uh, or lore sphinxes. Lore sphinx. Dang it! I rolled below average. Got a 13 lore sphinx. I get a 31 with Sugar's help. But I like whisper it to Sudi so he can pretend that he knows. Yeah. This is Sudi's game. The Heroka Sphinx are the least intelligent of the common sphinxes. Yeah, they are cowardly, cruel hearted lot. All are male. They're a little bit more bestial. They despise the larger and clever Andro Sphinxes and Cryo Sphinxes. Towards Juno Sphinxes, they hold a twisted mix of lust and hate, simultaneously envying their beauty and power while craving them as mates. Haraco Sphinxes attack other Sphinxes whenever they have them at a disadvantage. Male Sphinxes of other species they tear to shreds and drive away, whereas they prefer to leave Juno Sphinxes ravaged but alive. The other species of Sphinxes likewise hold nothing but a disdain for Haraco Sphinxes and typically attack these vile beasts on sight. 
Uh, Haraka Sphinxes guard their territory ruthlessly against weaker intruders, seldom giving warning before they attack. They have no use for banter and riddles, making most efforts at diplomacy rather ineffective, but they can be convinced to call off their attacks by convincing shows of force coupled with information on the location of weaker prey or Genosphinx. Though poor flyers, they still prefer to fight from the air and are the better to escape if the combat turns against them. As they lack the ego and resourcefulness of the rest of their breed, Hareko Sphinxes can be pressured into service into the service of mounts, particularly by those of similar evil dispositions. Hareko Sphinxes chafe under such service but submit to the more powerful riders, although they still inflict their foul tempers on any weaker creature that happens by. Uh, are they the ones I feel like I've, I've run these before they're like the heads of um, they have a body of a lion and the head of a falcon yeah so yeah they've got the head of a bird of prey and, and then the body of a lion so so Hollis yep. whispers all this to you so these are the more dangerous ones like that will actually attack people and yeah all that, yeah so. they're, they're on the evil spectrum so not manticore they are <laughs> more Sphinx. dangerous as far as they will they are the more violent ones uh, they are less dangerous than many other breeds of sphinxes oh okay um, yeah. and they are innately cowardly creatures so they're the lowest challenge rating of the sphinx types but they're mm. the most violent okay yep. <laughs> kind of like white dragons okay but um yeah I mean if there's something attacking a caravan it could be that although that would be an unusual target just because they're cowardly by nature well that was outside of town though what would it be doing in the city that's what's strange well they can be pressured into servitude that's oh. true they may have a uh, a master of some sort but then he well. got shot that maybe it was here to attack us but then it got shot by a crossbow bolt and was like oh screw this possible that would have been a, an interesting coincidence, though, if there was somebody who just happened to be in the watchtower. I mean, it is a watchtower. There's a big old bounty on such a creature. It's true. If Maybe they were, if they were authorized to be there, they would have stayed at their post. That, um, or they were, they knew that they hit it, and so they went to go track it down. Well, there's just a bounty hunter who took advantage of the situation. Uh, that's and my thought. Then, when they noticed that the creature was injured, they gave chase, hoping to finish it off at closer range. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I will just direct your attention to the map there. Mm-hmm. You see where that number seven is there? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's where your inn is. Okay. Which is fairly far into the city. From the north. No, the north. Mm-hmm. It may be the creature attacking the caravans, but... Or it could be some very powerful person hates us and wants to kill us with a sphinx, but... <laughs> Riding around on the back of a sphinx. We just got lucky, and, and that's fun. Well, I say let's go to the library and put that away for the moment. Oh, maybe in the morning or in the night, this night, we could put some sort of a trap top thing up there. Oh, Falto could probably help with that, right? I look at Falto. <laughs> Do you have bear traps? We didn't got bears down here. What's oh. a bear? <laughs> They're like... It's kind of it's kind of like an owl bear without the owl. What's an owl bear? They don't bear? got those here. They're like... It's kind of like a hippo, but it can stand up on its back mm-hmm. legs and it's covered in fur. And they're oh. a little smaller than hippos and they're sharp teeth. Yeah, they don't have as big of a head, but uh, they've got giant claws. And they sleep all winter because it's cold up there. So how is that different from just book. like a big catfolk? Uh, they're not as lean and like grace- graceful. Graceful? Oh, okay. Yeah, think of a really burly catfolk that's okay. like nine feet tall. Hollis draws a crude picture of a bear. Oh, okay. And shows it to you. Weird. Huh. No, no. And I it's thought just people a bear. were bad. So, no, we don't have bear traps. Oh, okay. Probably have other traps, though. Probably. Well, I'm going to the seedier side of town, so I can find out. <laughs> oh, good luck. Be safe. Always. I suppose the uh, the lot of you pack up, get ready to make your way to go and uh, and meet a little bit late now. Combat, oh, because, we made him wait. Yeah. And we made Kelru wait. Yep. They're getting all buddy-buddy over there. 
You guys don't um, understand. We were potentially attached, attacked by a sphinx and or had a sphinx attacked on top of our You're room. unintentionally creating a love triangle with a ZZ. Sorcerer, anyway. I had to wake uh, up three times hey, last night. That kid's a brat. Kelru could do better. It's true. <laughs> That's fair. Callback's noble. Anyway, climbing up the social ladder. I suppose all of you set out on yours in mind now with everything else that you've recently been struggling with with your own family and everything. The knowledge that you have a branch of your family tree that's uh, populated by Lots of set fruit. Yay. Set fruit. Do you look sad well, about it? Can, we, a family can tree we look thing? and see? Oh, okay. <laughs> set, okay, you said set fruit makes It's a branch. Set tree. fruit. Anyway. Okay. Does Onyurus look sad? Onyurus looks like Onyurus always looks. So a little surly, a little yeah. sifle. Yeah. Like he just smelled something bad. <laughs> like Jason Isaacs. <laughs> <laughs> um, hollows your mind... Uh, Alight with all these different ideas of what could be going on in this uh, this apparent possible involvement of an elf somehow with uh, these flashbacks and all the rest of that, the strangeness there, this uh, this idea of an elf somehow involved in these things during the period of time in which all the elves had fled for Earthfall, with the exception yeah. of the uh, the native elven people here in the south. Sudi, I imagine disappointed in that it's not the uh, the talking kind of sphinx. I know it's oh. like not the nice uh, kind of sphinx. We well, already the- met the sphinx you needed to meet. Yeah, uh, it's not about needing to meet the sphinx; it's wanting to meet more sphinx. Well, you don't want to meet this one. Is the plural of sphinx sphinxes? <coughs> sphinx eye. Sphinx sodies. Sphinx sodies. Uh, sphinx sisters. But probably now keeping an eye to the sky. Yeah, your your eye to the sky. Oh, true. Stop running into stuff. You got to look at the ground. You know, in Citra, I think more than more than the others, there's probably Citra. I think that's the highest sense motive in the group. Uh, yeah, probably. Mine's a six. Mine's an eleven. Yeah. You know, more than the others, probably, you know, walking with Onurus taking point, keeping an eye somewhat on him and cognizantly very aware of the fact that not only did he speak with the mask on, but he seemed to have reacted as if he was seeing what was going on around him. While that doesn't show any sign of the mask controlling him, it does raise some credence to your concerns about if that were to happen during combat and suddenly flooding him with a vision. Mm. All that said, though, you have to admit that Onurus did come, did wake you up, did make you aware, and quite potentially, this may have been useful, actionable information. The details of which you're not necessarily sure how useful they're going to be. I think it was a research topic, though. Uh, Indeed it did. Although, probably in your mind, you were somewhat a little curious by the fact that your ancestor wasn't there. Yeah. They were all old gods. Osiris, well... And as you said... I follow Osiris, but... My ancestor followed Nethys. Yep. Yeah. So there was no modern gods. Yep. And so as you set off and make your way through the city streets, we will pick it back up here next time. Dun, dun, dun. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) But no, okay. So here's my my theory. Nethian priest who has this sphinx and is riding it around was going to have, just happening with his crossbow bolt. Somebody's like, there's a sphinx bounty. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.